Well, as he said, we're Dan and Don. We've been in Albania for about nine years and serving in a few different capacities. Right now we're working uh, in a church plant in a village outside of the city which hasn't heard the gospel, many people, for a long, long time, about 500 years actually. And this is Denise and Ayla. They're our Albanian colleagues. We have another couple as well. And uh, they've been joining with us. And um, I'll be sharing some words with you that kind of fit really well with your theme and what we're doing. And then we'll invite uh, Ayla and Denise to come up in a bit to share their experience in God's work in their life and how they've been called to serve. So uh, uh, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> so while you guys are standing here, maybe we could just oh, show. Wow. Um, so I want you, many of you are probably thinking, where is Albania? So I gave you a map there. It's near, near Greece and, and Italy. Um, it's, it's, yeah. So, so there's where Albania is, um, and then maybe you could put up a picture, Anne, of uh, maybe what, maybe a little bit what it looks like and the ministry looks like there. There we go. Okay. <laughs> working hard, or hardly working. Right? Yeah, but very mountainous. Um, okay. A couple more, maybe. There we go. Dan doing some teaching. Okay. There's Dawn in the congregation. There's Denise and Ayla. Looks like leading worship, Bible study. Lots of kids. Awesome. I mean, think about this, you guys. There has not been a church in this part in, in, in Albania in five hundred years. I mean, these guys don't know who Jesus is. And so they are introducing Jesus. Not to, not to preach for you this morning, Dan, but uh, <laughs> it, it, I, just, I just get goosebumps thinking about this, uh, the, the work and the ministry you guys are doing there. So, okay. Do we have any more? There we go. Okay. I'll tell you later. <laughs> you going to sit down? Yeah, yeah All right. we'll, we'll sit down. So I've, I've invited Dan to uh, preach this morning and share with us from God's Word as he uh, continues, as we continue through this sermon series on Blessed to be a Blessing. Well, thank you again. It's amazing to be here. We think about you guys often, and, and the, the words from the New Testament, partnership in the gospel, um, means a lot more when you're way out there somewhere and, and wondering, what, what are we doing here? And is it, is it accomplishing anything? And where, where, is, where are the Christians? Where's somebody who speaks English? And it gets kind of, uh, kind of challenging, but it's, when we're actually here, it's kind of that sense of, of renewed partnership. So thank you for letting us come and share. And uh, Brian shared with us, uh, shared with me that you're doing this 34-week series on blessed, is 34, right? Blessed to be a blessing. And I wondered if I wanted to share some things about that. And I thought, oh, maybe. And, uh, he said, it's, our theme is blessed to be a blessing. And I thought, really? That's interesting. That's kind of a Douglas theme. And we, for the last 40 years, I've been kind of adopted into the Douglas clan and, and heard that over and over. And we were just in the church in Forest yesterday. I guess the days are flying by. And what do you know? On the wall, blessed to be a blessing. I thought, oh, that's great. And then I said, well, tell me more. And he said, well, there's a series we're doing. And each uh, week we're covering a different character in the Bible. And the week that, uh, oh, and, and I, I was going to, I'll back up the, uh, the one you did a couple weeks ago, that really interesting character on four legs. I really like that one. So the donkey. So 
It's good creative, creative work. Um, and then he said, the week that you're going to be here, the theme is, the guy is Andrew. And I thought, oh, our oldest son, what do you know? And I know what Andrew means, and we'll talk about that in a minute too. So I thought, I think maybe I'm supposed to share, so here I am. Um, I also uh, appreciated, I, I'm sorry, you can tell I, 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 uh, I spy on you guys, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, I appreciated uh, a few weeks ago, Brian mentioned analogies that are not the church, like a baseball game, right? Where the people are all watching, and only a few people do all the work, right? And it reminded me of, of a description of the NFL I heard once, was the NFL is 22 guys who desperately need rest, being watched by millions of people desperately needing exercise. So I thought, that's also not the church. So don't, don't do that. So, so blessed to be a blessing. Um, uh, let's pray before we get started in this. We thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you are alive and well in this place and that you have given us many things and have blessed us in many ways, ways even that we sometimes don't expect or even don't like, but that you have given us the opportunity to be, to be uh, people of purpose, people of mission in this place and beyond. And we pray that as we come into your word and into the uh, ways that you are speaking to us, that you would uh, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts to the, uh, the ways that you are calling us today. In Jesus' name. Interesting that you read also from uh, the psalm this morning that talked about uh, being renewed like the eagle. In Albania, the Albanian language, everything is different. I mean, every country in the world calls it Albania. That's not what they call their country because their language um, is very different. But the word eagle is Shiponia uh, in Albanian, and the name of the country is Shiporia, which means the land of the eagle. So, so renewing like the eagle, you're going to get me choked up talking about this, but, but renewing a place that needs to be renewed like the eagle, that would be a, that, excuse me, that it will be a, an amazing thing. Blessings, ooh, that's quite a topic. We often think of, of how much we have um, in America, especially how much we've been given. And uh, yeah, it's great. I like to be blessed, don't you? I like to get a new car or buy a new house or get a new job or get a raise. Those are all blessings. I like to meet new friends. I like to have good health. I like those things. Those are blessings from God. And I was going to say a little bit kind of in that vein. And last Sunday we were in Ohio at a church and I was sitting kind of in this part of the church and there was a lady sitting back over there somewhere and she had this the oxygen tube coming out and she was carrying the bag you know the tank I don't even know how these work but and she after the service she was kind of with her husband she was kind of heaving and hoeing trying to get him out of his seat and he was bigger than she was and so me and somebody else came and kind of ran over there and kind of helped her lift him up and I was wondering what was going on and she got kind of caught her breath and she said well he's had three strokes and and uh, he can hardly, he can't get up on his own, so I'm, I'm helping him. And, and then she started telling me her story. And she was a mother, she'd been a teacher, she taught Sunday school, she'd been a Girl Scout leader. And then she started telling me more of her story that she'd had these health problems. And I, I won't, I don't remember the list, it was long. And at the very end of the, she said, and then and my husband's had three strokes. And then without hesitating, she said, we've been so blessed. And I, I just... I mean, she was very good-natured, so I kind of laughed. I said, well, that's an interesting conclusion. You know, guess what I'm going to be doing a week from today? 
I'm going to be standing in front of a church in Illinois talking about being blessed. And this is really kind of turning my brain a little bit here, thinking, what does that mean? How can you say you're blessed? And she said, well, God's been there through all of it. And so I thought, well, I'm going to share that because that really, I had to go back into my page here and fix a few things because that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking of all the good things that come. Well, then, then I, I really was pondering, too, the concept of blessing. What then is a blessing? What is the greatest blessing? How are we blessed? And I had to really think that, that we think so much in terms of material things. This is true in poor countries as well, because the idea of having more or having enough is a huge, is a survival issue. For us, it's, if, we're, if we're thinking and grateful, we're thankful for how much we have. But it's the same for everybody. We, we think materially too much sometimes. But the greatest blessing is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And whether we're rich or poor with physical things, material things, if we have that, we have it all. We have enough. And then the Holy Spirit, of course, is part of that blessing that gives us the ability to, to be transformed into the people God made us to be. And then we can walk in the fruit of the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit, as I'm looking forward to poking my head into that book a bit and seeing what they say, because that's a constant theme we're working with in the discipleship process, is how has God gifted each of us to be used for his glory. So whether we're struggling or whether we're prospering, we can be, say we're blessed. I was also thinking, I guess since we're in Albania, and teaching English, grammar has become a thing in my life. It wasn't when I was going to school in America because we don't study grammar much anymore, I guess. But blessed is a, is a transitive verb. You know what that means? It means it has an object. It's not a static thing like, a, I'm, I don't know, I don't, won't give a, another example, but blessing or being blessed means bl something is being blessed. W what is it? What's the target of our, be of our blessing? So here we are being blessed to be a blessing to whom? To somebody, right? And I, I was thinking this through, breaking it down into the, the different things, thinking from Scripture, when you go back to Adam and Noah and all the covenants, Abraham and beyond, it was always, I'm going to give you something, not just for you, but for others. But who? It starts with God. He's blessed us to bless him. And so we look at uh, Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. Why did, have you ever asked that question, why did God make anything? Why did he create? Why did he make people? You, you can ask the same exact question of yourselves if you're parents. Why, why did we have children? Why do we want to have children? We want to, have, we want to, to grow this group, right? We're, we're having fun, the two of us. Let's have more of us. And the kids, hopefully, are a blessing to us, right? We know we have that one who, yeah. Anyways, but... Uh, but we, we, we want our kids to be a blessing, and they are most of the time. Um, and then, so that we, we are a blessing to God in that way. But we're also, this, one, this one's one that us, we sometimes feel guilty about, but God has blessed us to bless ourselves too, that we are a blessing to ourselves. And you think, well, how does that work? Sounds kind of selfish. But God gives us a purpose in life and gives us meaning, gives us a reason to exist, and, and that, that makes life worth living. And, and it's a blessing even unto ourselves. And, and then comes the blessing to people in the world, as I said, through the covenants, that God's desire is to grow his kingdom all over this planet. 
and have people come to him and uh, be a blessing to him to make disciples and you have that I also every time I'm here I say this because I love it growing disciples who grow disciples we say make disciples who make disciples but we know what we're talking about the same thing that we want to see God's life grow in other people and not just as an end unto themselves but beyond as well and I think it's important too in in our um you know, it can be a it can turn into kind of a works focused thing is that well I got to work really hard to be a blessing to people but that doesn't earn us a thing with God it's not the thing that gets us his favor it's not the thing that saves us but it's the thing that we do because we've been blessed it's kind of like filling the cup it's just oh no there's too much that's okay it's overflowing all over the place and it just it's a natural or supernatural outflowing of God's work in our lives it's just receiving a free gift that we're passing unto other people and then of course um the Holy Spirit is the thing that, uh, the one who makes it all happen in our lives. When we've been saved, we have everything we need, including power, to do more than we would do naturally. And to be able to, uh, to, to just exist in a way that's, that's a blessing to ourselves, to God and to others, and even to creation. I mean, you talk about environmental concerns. Um, Christians should be the most, the most concerned about God's creation. We should be taking good care of it. So let's talk about Andrew. Andrew. The name Andrew means, I love this meaning, and it's one of the reasons we named our son Andrew. It means manly, brave, strong, courageous, a war, even a warrior. And it's kind of a, a, cool, a cool naming. Do, do you have a, the modern technology is amazing. We have the ability, did we, did we get the, we, we have the ability to put a picture of Andrew on the screen. Did we find, there he is. That is, and do you recognize him? Yeah, we know Andrew, right? Do you know where this is? What this is from? It's Andrew. That's what it's from. It's from the Chosen. That's where it's from. But it's. I was when I was looking into this, I discovered that his brother Simon. Um, I didn't know this until I looked it up. But Simon has a cool meaning too. Uh, it means hears and obeys. Now, can you imagine you got two sons and you want to give them names that will make them great someday, hopefully. You name one manly and the other one hears and obeys. I mean, what more could you ask for in your kids? And we happen to, I think, have, do we have something, a picture of him too? There they are. Are they ready? They're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Yeah, they're kind of a little bit deer in the headlights there. But here they are, these two guys. Andrew's mentioned in the Bible about seven or eight times, and we're actually going to cover all of them. I know Brian's looking at his watch. They're all pretty quick, so stay with me. We should probably read the Bible, shouldn't we, when we're going to do a sermon, so let's do that. If you have your Bibles with you, as Brian always says, sorry. Uh, Mark 1, 16 to 20. Uh, let's read Mark 1, 16 to 20. This is uh, the passage for the day that talks about Jesus calling uh, the fishermen. Mark 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. 
So this is a, a story where Jesus encounters these guys. He sees them, he connects with them, and he calls them, and they follow. It's pretty simple. But uh, if you imagine, you know, that sounds simple, but if you imagine the, the whole story of somebody's life and responding that quickly to a call, that suddenly, it's not so simple. And uh, we'll dig into this a little bit more as we see some of these other stories. In, in John 1, you don't have to turn to these because I'll just go through them quickly, but they paint a picture of this guy, this manly, courageous guy um, who followed Jesus. John 1, 40 to 44 talks about um, when Andrew, he, he told Simon, his brother, we have found the Messiah. He, he had heard, it says he'd heard John speak, that would be John the Baptist, and he says, we have, we have found the Messiah. What did John say that caused him to think this? Is John called, John pointed to Jesus and said, there he is. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew recognized that his eyes were open and he said, Ah, the Messiah, we found him. And so he tells Peter, or Simon, his brother, who was later named Peter, that, uh, that they, they have found him, the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. In John, uh, I'm sorry, in Mark 1, 29, same chapter shortly after they were called, it says that uh, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So this is, they're now just following Jesus. This is in the same chapter as the first passage. And they're already going into their house with the, the small group they, that they've started with. And so hospitality is already being, they're being hospitable in their own home. They're taking action. They're serving already. Uh, and then in Mark 3, 13 to 19, uh, the list of the, the 12 disciples. And it's interesting, this is a, in this passage, it calls them the apostles. And what does apostle mean? It means sent ones. Disciples are followers or students. And already, and this is, you know, just in Mark 3, they're calling them apostles because he's about to send them out two by two to preach the word and heal people, which they were all kind of looking like that, I think, about the time they heard this. What? Us? But, but no, they're listed with the apostles and uh, they're going out, going out to being sent. Mark 13, 3, Andrew was with Peter and James and John asking questions. I found this unique that... You always hear about Peter, James, and John, the, the, inner, the inner circle, that core that Jesus is pouring most of his discipleship work into, and then the next group and the next group and so forth into, you know, 150 or something. But here Andrew's tagging along. He's like, he was with them asking questions. He wants to be part of this. He has a sense of, 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 of growth and moving forward of, of maybe even a little bit of ambition moving into that inner circle of people who are asking Jesus questions. So he wants to know. In John 6, 1 through 14, um, is a story about the feeding of the 5,000. And I think this one tells as much about Andrew as any of them, as far as the, the, maybe the, the class of person or the, 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 where he fit in, in the crowd, maybe. Is Jesus says, all right, it's getting late. You know, we need to feed all these people. Feed them. And they're like, we can't feed them. You know the story, probably. And so what do they do? At least Andrew, we know, they went around and to see what they had. And he comes back to Jesus and he says, well, we got five loaves and two fish, but, you know, I don't know what you can do with that for all these people. But he, he knew the people. He, was, he felt free enough to, to get in with them, figure out what, what they had, um, what the situation was, and then take that little bit. He didn't say, eh, that's not enough and not say anything. He said, well, we got this and takes it to Jesus. 
And you know the story. Jesus made it into enough. And then they ended up with more than they started with, which that's a little strange, crazy. In John 12, 20 to 26, Andrew goes with Philip to tell Jesus there are some Greeks who want to see Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Jesus had made it fairly clear in a few places he was going to Israel, the lost sheep of Israel first, primarily, and then later others. But in the middle of all that, here's Andrew who gets questioned. He says, hey, can we see Jesus? Now, he doesn't say, no, the rules say that he's going to these people first. You'll be later, don't worry, or something like that. He says, oh, I don't know. Let's find out. Again, he goes to Jesus with what he has. And what does Jesus say? No, no, not, it's, not yet, it's not time yet. No, he didn't say that. He has this really, really short message. He just says that if anyone wants to follow him and serve him, the Father will honor him. So it, it seems to me that Andrew takes what he has and he acts upon it in the frame of, of in, in, the, in the context of what Jesus might do and doesn't worry about what the results are so much but the results uh, happen through Jesus. And then finally in Acts 1.13 is the last time he's mentioned. And this is, of course, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The disciples have been, uh, he's given the great commission, as we've heard, you know, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching, etc. And then wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll have power. So this is the point at which they're waiting. So he's been with Jesus now the whole time, the whole three plus years of training, discipling, of uh, being, being, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit uh, by observation and personal experience, and uh, he is, is ready to go. And what happens? We know the story, right? The Holy Spirit comes down in amazing power and takes this fisherman and turns him into a, uh, a disciple maker in other parts of the world and goes on to do amazing things. And, and really, that's why we're here today, because of guys like this. Uh, a small group of them that grew into a, a, a whole church all over the world. I, I often think about that idea that, you know, when we visit a lot of churches and, and sometimes get to stand here and look at you people, <laughs> and I think, why are we here? I mean, how many are here? I don't know. 45, 50, something like that. But you just carve off 12 right there, and those 12 turn the world upside down, as it said in one verse. And, and when I think about these guys, let's describe them what they aren't. There's a, it's a lot easier to describe what they aren't. They're not famous. They're not educated. None of them were educated. They, none of them were religious leaders. None of them were influential in their community. None of them were rich. Maybe, maybe Matthew had some money because he was a tax collector, but they didn't like him because of that, and he left it behind anyway. And uh, let's see, what else weren't they? Uh, they weren't of high status in their, in their community. Some of, you know, fishermen weren't, weren't uh, the top dudes. Even if Matthew was rich as a tax collector, he was despised by many people. Um, so, so why did he call them? Why did he call these people? You know, we're saying, why would he choose these kinds of people to bless, to be a blessing? You know, as we look around, you know, is, is this describing us? What were they? And these are the things that I gathered in, in reading all these different passages, especially the, uh, the first one about how he said, you're fishermen, and I'm going to teach you a new way to fish. The first one is they're, they're willing. 
There's that willingness. It says, in, in depending on the version, and as you read the New Testament, you see the, the Gospels especially, you see these kinds of words immediately comes up all the time, at once, without delay. Um, when you're reading the Gospels, just, just stick a, a little side antenna up there and just kind of be sort of paying attention to see when these kinds of words come up because they are constant. God worked, you know, immediately he went, immediately they responded, immediately or without delay they followed Jesus. Second one is teachability. We see that Andrew spent time asking questions. The disciples in another passage, they say, you know, John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray. There was a willingness to be, to be made into the, uh, the people God wanted them to be. And probably one of the most difficult is number three is they were willing to risk. This is a hard one because you know, we, we are willing to risk something. I mean, we, we might all, y'all have 401ks, right? Or something like that. Sam knows about those, right? And he's helped us, encouraged us, take some risk when you're young because that money will grow even if it goes up and down on the way. Are we willing to risk more than that? Are we willing to risk uh, more of our time? You know, you think about the amount that these guys risked. They risked everything. They left everything. And are we willing to, in at least some sense, leave everything? What does that mean? Does that mean that we have to go to a faraway country? Does it mean we have to risk relational challenges when somebody isn't interested in hearing the gospel or you're not sure, but you open the subject? It's, it's hard because we don't want to risk brokenness. We don't want to risk um, um, rejection. But they were just common people. They understood the common people. This story of the five loaves and two fish, or the, the feeding of the 5,000, really tells it all, I think, is they were able to get into the crowd and figure out what they had. And often that's, the, that's a more, more important question than what do you need, is what do you have? Because God has given even the, the lowest, or the worst, or the most scorned people in our society something. He's given everybody something. And sometimes it's more important for us to discover that than it is to find out what we can give them. Is to find out what has God already given them and how can we develop that or grow that in their lives. So I asked myself and all of us in this room this question, how many of us fit the description of the kinds of people Jesus chose to be his disciples? Are we influencers? Are we religious leaders? Sorry, Brian. Are we uh, um, of high status? Are we rich? I, I, I am sorry to say, maybe we're all disqualified because <laughs> we, we have been material, materially blessed. We are influencers. We're active in, in some ways that's good. But is he calling us to use those things he's given us because we're willing to follow him? Teachable, to learn the things he wants to teach us? Willing to risk? What if, what if God calls you to sell everything you have and do something crazy like Move to Albania. I don't know. It's kind of fun, actually. Another thing that he did, you see, and this is kind of the main point of the Andrew passage, the first one, is God has given us skills. God's given us talents. He's even spiritual gifts, which are beyond the things that we were born with to use. And we can use them in a lot of ways. And obviously, he, he was pointing that out here. 
that he repurposed what Andrew was given. I mean, catching fish is, I don't know, it's fun for me. I don't, I don't enjoy it that much, but, but occasionally I've gone fishing and I'm not good at it. But this idea that he took this skill and turned it into evangelism, basically, catching fish, um, bringing them in. And so, so there were things that each of the disciples had that were unique, and he worked on those things. He used those things for the, for the team. But there were also things everybody had to learn. When, when Don and I were homeschooling, we had this kind of informal philosophy that there's things all the kids have to learn, you know, respect, math, English, history, science. But then there, and we were responsible to develop those things in all of our kids. However, there are also unique gifts that each child had, and we were to, responsible to help them develop those things. So it's the same thing as, as believers, that we're all in this together, and we are given what we're given to glorify God primarily and to help to, to bless him primarily, but also the unique gifts that we have to serve in his kingdom according to those unique gifts and talents. And as, as we uh, look at ourselves and see what we have, we probably, none of us think of ourselves as superstar Christians. And God's not sitting around waiting for us to reach some level. So he'll say, okay, now you're ready. Now you're equipped. Now I'm ready to call you. And I think it's better if we don't, actually. If we just start where we are and he says, all right, I want you to follow me. And is he going to turn us into superstar Christians or bookkeepers for a church or missionaries to a foreign land or sound technicians, whatever gifts God's given you? You know, are you a superstar? Well, you can do extraordinary things even in a small way like that even if you're just a normal person. About 10 years ago, uh, Don and I got this idea of going to Albania. I guess we can say God called us. It's never a, you know, voice from the Lord. It's always a, hmm, that sounds interesting. Hmm, why do we keep hearing, you know how this goes. It's not a, that voice. But we went and uh, we were just regular guys, regular people, raising our kids, teaching, involved in church, doing the things we do. And we were, we were almost... We were over 50. We were about right at 50 years old. And so, I mean, if you're, however old you are right now, you can think about that. We were living in the U.S. doing U.S.-ish type things for 50 years. And voila, off to Albania. So watch out. You never know what God has in mind. But be open to it because it's, that, it's like that Road Less Taken poem where, um, uh, I can't remember how it goes exactly, but how he says, you know, I, I look back and I, I don't have any regrets for doing something unique. God's mission is, is alive. And I want to emphasize that Brian does a good job of reminding you of that with the connections you have to different church plants in this country and beyond. And we get to experience some of the beyond, but uh, it's a slog, it's difficult. And we get discouraged a lot, but we think of you guys often when we get to that point because we know we're in this together. That partnership is, is real. And uh, so, so we are, are here to, to encourage you to take those risks, to be willing, be teachable. And remember that this is God's job to make disciples. We get used by him in a, in a positive sense of that word, but this is God's mission that he's, he's calling us to join with. So the results are up to God. Our job is to obey and to, to um, use those things to be creative. I prayed for our eyes and ears to be open, our hearts to be soft, because we used to pray that for the people we're reaching out to. But we discovered we're the ones who need that first. 
that we need to be open to see what God sees. Um, there are two people in this, in this room from Albania, and I'd like to invite them up right now, Ayla and Denise. They're ordinary people. They're not highly educated. They're not superstars. They're not leaders in the community. They're not influencers. They're certainly not rich. I, can, I promise you that. Um, but they have been called by God, uh, and they're going to share a little bit about what is it like to grow up in Albania and how they became believers. And you have four minutes, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, everything in Albania is a long story, so get comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I will try to, to finish as fast as possible. Nah, take your so time. I'm doing the, the speed now. Uh, first of all, it's, it's a big blessing for me to get to worship with you guys today. It's a big pleasure, something that hopefully I want to see Albanian church gather like you are here mm. together mm -hmm. today to be a big church, not like a building, but with people. I was raised in, a, not in the south of Albania, actually in a village that, I don't know if the photos are there, no, no or not, uh, that it, it is called Grev, the village where I was growing up, uh, born, actually. And when I was four years old, it was the first time w when I got the, the connection with Christianity, if I can say like this. A group of missionaries came in our village and they uh, shot Jesus' movie there and my father actually hosted them he hope he opened the the house for the people who who came so they slept at our house and i remember something from from that time is that two of those men actually prayed for me and for one of my brother which is believer today also uh, and they, they showed a lot of love also uh, but yeah, they showed the movie, prayed for us, and they left. You know, so it was not a church in my village. So for two years, uh, nothing happened to us. We was living like a normal life in that village. But after two years, the things was being uh, was changing a little bit in Albania. The school, because my parents are teachers, and the school was getting smaller, so they decided to to go in another place in Albania. So we moved in the middle of Albania. And there, we rent an uh, apartment, and it happened that it was Christmas time. And one of the neighbors, actually, was the leader of the church. And she said to me, hey, Denise, we celebrate Christmas here. And also, we have Christmas boxes. Do you want to come? And I said, of course. <laughs> Who don't want a free gift? So I decided to go there. And... Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, being part of that group, it was amazing. Like, people show a lot of love, and everything was was very good. So I keep going to the church and after uh, that day. And when I was 12 years old, I was actually having question in my mind and also wondering. I was even afraid of death, you know? But all the teachings that I have heard from the Bible, it makes very sense to me, like, okay, this is the truth. It's not that uh, I deserve to go to, he to heaven. I will never, like, with my works, I will never be good enough to go in heaven. So all of that, it was, it was good for me. And I decided to be baptized, but there it started a little problem, actually, because uh, my family was not Christian, but they was Muslim. And my father said, look, we have allowed you to go to church, but being baptized, this is too far, you know? But thanks God, actually, I had the support of my brother, which he's a believer also, and he's older than me, and he said to my father that, look, 
he be let him believe what he wants to believe, you know? That's how he sees it. And yeah, I got baptized, and after that I was involved in ministry. I'm going fast. <laughs> and when I was uh, okay. 19 or tw 20 years old, I was uh, having this desire and thinking that I have to grow more in God. You know, I, w I have to learn more about God. So I decided to go in Bible school. And I'm stopping here for now, and I will come back again. I will let Ella tell a bit of her story. Uh, okay, I'm going to speak in Albania, because I can think better. Yeah. <laughs> and Denise can translate for me. Okay. And actually, Albanian language is a gift of tongues, you know, tongues, you say? Tongues, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit hard for you to understand it. But thanks God I have the interpretation, so. Uniam ritur in your family orthodox, eh? Uh -huh. I was Ela was growing up in Orthodox family. Uh, but it's, it's not that it was a, a family that it used to go to church. It was just inherited. You say like that? Mm -hmm. Inherited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not that they read the Bible or go to church or pray. Uh, I was born and raised in the city of Peshkopi, in north of Albania, where we are doing ministry now. Uh, it's a city where I can say that 99.99% of people, they are Christian. Mm, no, they are not Christian. They are Muslims, actually. And for me, have been very hard living there. Let's say. Si një familje vet me kristër në një qytet ashtëmall, për mua kishte shumë pengesa gjatë rrugës që jam rritur. And as being the only Christian family in the city, for me, it had a lot of problems uh, growing up there. Uh, and most of the time, actually, I have had hard time even with friendship because the people didn't like to to stay with me because I was a Christian and most of the time they point the finger to me, we say in Albania. You, you mm -hmm. have the same expression? Kind of, yeah. yeah. We know what you mean. Gjithmon, isha dhe më thëna i fëmija që rria mbrapa dhe qikoja ato të eksaluanin edhe knaqë që në bashkë po ashtu ka qënë edhe një koj e vështirë në shkollë ku... And also it was hard because for me I get to see them stay together, play together, spend time together, and I was not allowed most of the time. And also in school it was very hard. And even the teachers actually, we say in Albania, they see me with a different eye. You know, kind of not seeing the same like the others. 
gjitha këtyre vështërsive kam përjetuar mund teme dhe gjuajtje, fjal, ku nuk ishin të mira. And I also have been persecuted in different ways there, like people have hit me, speak bad to me. Edhe për mua u bëa kanë me vështirë, dhe isa shkoja në shpi, edhe qaja, dhe i thua e prindve që dua tiki nga këtu, nuk dua që ndrojmë më këtu, mos më qoni më në shkollë. And for me, it was being very hard, actually, and every time that I go back from the school, I got to go to my parents and crying and saying that I don't want to stay more here, I want to leave this place. Por si gjitha më prindrit, o, s'ka gjitha mësoj, duro dhe pak, njerëzit nuk njojnë shumirë, ne nuk jemi si ato që kështë duro dhe pak. And my parents always say that, wait, wait a little bit more, you know, like, be patient, is that fruit of the spirit? Yeah. And people don't know you, you know, when they get to know you, probably they will change, you know? Por kur isha katër vjeqë, dikush më thaj që është një kishë këtu edhe ka durata për kështindje, ka lojra, dhe nëse këtë dëshirë mund të bish. Going back to the story, when I was four years old, I got involved with the church. Someone invited me also, said that we have Christmas boxes, you know, gifts, Christmas gifts, so, yeah. Kur unë shkoj për mua ishte ditë shka shumë dryshe, të shikoj e dashurin që ato jepnin branda, që të pranonin në lojra që ato bënin, bënin shumë aktivitete, flengjurose, dhe për mua ishte një që shumë dryshe nga bota jashtë. Going there, it was very different, actually, because the people was very loving, you know, they showed a lot of love to me, and also they make me part of their games, part of, you know, their craft, so I was involved with that. Për mund kjo ishte një gjë shumë dryshe, dhe pasaj vazhdova të shkoj në kishë për shumë ko, dheri sa mora një vendim që, okej, për mund është, isha diku këtë 14 vjeqë për mua është koha që të pak zahen and I was involved with church and I was going regular there and when I was 14 years old I decided that okay now is the time for me to get baptized nështë për mua kjo ishte e thjeshtë sepse shkoja vazhdimisht në kishë por për përindrit e mi ishte okay nështë kjo është një vendimi shpejt nështë duhet presesh dhe pak të rritesh dhe pak më shumë And maybe for me this is like an easy thing to do it, easy step, because I was involved with church, I was going to church, but for my parents it was not, because... Because they were saying that, wait, you have to wait, you have to grow more, you know? Por, pasaj, i pyeta akoma më shumë njëherë, dyherë, tërë, tjera dhe nuk ishën dakort edhe pasaj me ndova që okej, koha ime është tani edhe vendosat pak zohem. And I asked them a few times, actually it looks like they was trying to find justifications within Albania. And then I decided to be baptized without their permission. Edhe ato na japin një bibel të vogël, bashkë me një foto dhe rapt, edhe shkojnë në shpili të në që janë pak zohar. Babi të dhe, okej, Nëse ti ke vendosur, mund vazhdosh, ti e din mësë miri. And when I got baptized, actually, the pastor gave a Bible, like a gift with a photo, 
and uh, I showed to my parents. I said, look, I got baptized. <laughs> and they was like, okay, you did that now. Past I am a von, and okay, uh, that I was a person who was a person who was a person who was a person who was a person help. So what did I do is that I offered my help to her. I said, can I help you? And Della was like, okay, take it. No, she didn't. She was like, no. <laughs> That's how the people in the north are, are actually. They are very serious. And that, that was funny. Um, but didn't last so long like this. Uh, after a while, we were good friends. And in three months, actually, we got engaged. Yeah. It was very fast, but it looks like God actually was using that for something bigger. Uh, in Albania, we have a tradition that when um, people got engaged, they have visitors that go and visit. We say, drink a coffee, you know, kind of visiting them, seeing who the husband is or who the wife is. And um, it happened that it was Christmas time when we got engaged, and we had visitors too, and I was at Ela's house in that time. And uh, the pastor of the church, and Dan and Don, they wanted to see who is this man that took our girl, you know? <laughs> yeah, so kind of was serious. That <laughs> and uh, they came actually, and they drink the coffee, how we say in Albania, and they left after that. But I remember something very good, and I say to Ela, I don't know how. And I don't know why, but I know that one day we will serve with these people. And Dela was like, oh, you are crazy. <laughs> you know, and actually what she has been through in that place, it makes sense to, to think in, in that way. And I said, I don't know. I mean, then after that, we got to go in Bible school again, finish Bible school. And we start doing ministry in uh, my place, like in my city where I come from. And then it was being very hard economically. We got to go in Italy, working for a little while. But still, we were praying during that time, like, God, you know our heart. You know that we want to serve you in our nation. A lot of people don't know you there. And we want to be like instrument in, in, in your hands. And didn't last very long, actually. Uh, Ela came back in, from Italy sooner than me, like three months before, and she was helping uh, at the church in Peshkopi, like in north of Albania, where we are doing ministry now with camps. And it happened that we got an invitation, like from Dan, Don, and the pastor and his wife. And they said that we want to grow our team. Do you want to join us? It was like that, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Ella asked me and said, so, what do you think? I said, you know what we have been praying for? So I think we have to accept that. But, you know, you can decide. And Ella decided that we, to be part of that. 
And being in Peshkopi now, actually, we are five years that we are in, in that area of Albania. It's very Muslim place, and uh, the people are very close-minded. It's not that you can easily go there and say that, oh, can I speak with you about Jesus? I mean, in that sense, uh, probably we will lose them, or I don't know how, how to say it better. Uh, what we are doing is that we are spending a lot of time with people, uh, building relationship with them, uh, going to coffee often with them. It's very uh, uh, cultural in Albania, going out for coffee. And, uh, you know, doing home visits. Also, we, uh, I mean, when we was in the city, we was doing ministry only with the city people. But we saw something, that in the villages, the gospel was not going. Uh, so... Actually, the conversations was always that, oh, we need to go there. We have to, to send the gospel to these people. They also need Jesus. And now we have three years that mm -hmm. we are in this yep. village that it's called Kastriot. And there uh, we, we started like only hanging out with people in the beginning. Now we are having Bible studies there. We are having youth programs. We are having kids program and everything like God is working a lot there, and He's using us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, one of the words, we, we've learned some big words since we went to Albania. One of the English words we've learned is indigeneity. You know what that means? Like indigenous, it's the noun. Again, grammar, right? And so we believe very strongly that God is calling Albanians to reach Albanians. We're not going to live forever. See how much younger they are than we are? And someday we're going to die, or at least come home, right? And they're going to be there, and so we're raising up a team of Albanians to reach their own people. So uh, I'd like to uh, just close in prayer for them and for all of us as we respond to the calling he's placed on us, because this is it's an adventure. Why do something easy, right? So thank you, Lord, for your word and for the ways you speak into our lives to challenge us to grow, to challenge us to respond to you, to learn and to take risks for your kingdom. Um, this, is, this is it. We get one chance at this. So help us, Lord, to, to make our life count for you in response to the ways you've blessed us through the good times and through the challenging times. Whether we're rich or poor, whether we're talented or weak, that you have given us all that we need to bring the little we have, even the nothing that we have to you. I love that I heard someone say recently, zero plus 100 equals 100. So us plus Jesus equals Jesus doing the things that you want to do. So help us, Lord, to be those kinds of disciples, those kinds of apostles who are sent into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.